Let's pray together. Lord God, this is your word. We thank you for it. We come before it and submit ourselves to it, knowing that you continue to speak through this authoritative word that you have given to your people. Likewise, we recognize that we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit and his work in our hearts so that we understand and apply this appropriately to our, our lives. Lord God, then help us today. Be with us today. Help us to understand these things. Jesus, you're Lord of the Sabbath. Be with us today. Help us to live well, to think well together. In Christ's name, amen. I am not a drummer, uh, but I love to watch and I love to listen to good drummers. And it doesn't matter whether they are in orchestras or rock bands or jazz. I like the way all of them sound, the way all of them look as they're playing their instrument. I am entranced. I am entranced for a variety of reasons, one of which is I can't do it. Now, you may one of these days pull up next to me in the car, and you will find me very vigorously drumming on my steering wheel. That's a requirement for any car that I purchase that it have a solid steering wheel so that I can drum vociferously on that steering wheel. But I don't necessarily drum to the rhythm. I do my best to try and get to it. And if you ask me to integrate my feet into what I was doing with my hands, that is an impossibility for me. It is not impossible for Nate. Uh, he can do that. I cannot do that. Uh, but I appreciate it when I see it. And I appreciate the way in which a drummer can take you know, the, the very simple rhythms, and then it goes into a piece of music where it gets very complex, and the drummer can then lead both the drummer uh, themselves and the rest of the orchestra or the rest of the band back to the beat, back to keeping time and keeping the rhythm. God has rhythm. God, the creator of time, keeps time. God sets the beat, and he calls Israel to join in. And the Sabbath is the accent beat, the stressed beat, or the strong beat that God gives so that we can keep in time and so that we can take time out. So today we consider it this way may not have looked at the Sabbath musically, but today we consider the beat, the treat, and fidgety feet. So the beat, we start with that. With creation, God set a beat into the fabric of the world. He created in six, he rested on seven. We can read about that in Genesis 1 and 2, and it forms, of course, the foundation and the explanation for why you should rest on the Sabbath, why he has given this Sabbath day and why you should remember it. And not only in the command itself, but later in the rearticulation of it, we saw that as well in the, the uh, Exodus 31 passage that we read. Perhaps then, surprisingly, we don't have any significant indication, at least from Scripture, that the world or that the patriarchs or Israel necessarily followed this beat as it was put into creation. But when we come to the book of Exodus, Exodus is a reconfiguration of time and space. Now, the space part is not our topic today. 
It's a reconfiguration of space in the sense that space is reconsidered from the perspective of the presence of God. And it's re-understood, it's reformatted in light of the tabernacle. But today, our subject is time in particular. Last night, uh, we set the clocks forward. We modified time, or at least at a minimum, we modified how we mark time how we account and how we agree together on what time it is. God, in the book of Exodus, reconfigures time and reconfigures the way Israel should think about time. And essentially what God does is He takes this people who had been in slavery for hundreds of years and He brings them out and says, you need to sync with me. We're going to reset time. We're going to reset your clock so that you as a people are in sync with me. Israel is to understand time with reference to God and what God has done for them and in creating the world. Let me give you four quick examples of this in Exodus. First of all, you will perhaps recall that when God took them out of Egypt, there was a reset of the calendar at the Passover. This is now the first day of the first month. Mark it off. You are a new creation. This is a new birth for you. Your life starts again now as a redeemed people, and therefore you get a new calendar. This is New Year's Day now that I have brought you out as a people. Secondly, and we have seen this in parts of uh, the Passover and then in other places as well, mark the festivals throughout the year. So not only do you have a new month, but you have a new set of festivals that relate to the various seasons and times and events within the year. The Lord uses these festivals and these times to break the people out of a normal rhythm. You're not going to do the same thing when it is festival time. And of course, there's the Passover. There is uh, likewise the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Then there is the Feast of the Harvest or the Feast of Ingathering. And as we continue throughout the rest of the Pentateuch and the rest of the Old Testament, these feasts will be added too, according to how God works with the people and how they will celebrate together. I'm not going to go into a long description of this, but Exodus 23 says, okay, not only are you marking a new calendar, not only are you marking within this new year certain festivals, but this is how the years roll along. Think of them in a Sabbath-type way, six years for the land to be worked, and then in the seventh year, you let that parcel of land rest. You let it rest, and whatever it grows on its own, let that be for the poor in the land, for the beasts of the field. So there's a pattern that extends then into the years. There are yearly rhythms that God is writing here. There are seasonal rhythms that God is writing in Exodus. There are generational rhythms that God is establishing here. In that Exodus 31 passage that I read for us, did you see the idea that the Sabbath, which we'll come to the weekly one in just a moment, but the Sabbath is a generational sign It's something that is being passed along from generation to generation. So kids in the church right now, many of our parents observe the Sabbath. They took us, they brought us to church. We bring you to church to worship together on the Sabbath. It's a generational sign. We want you in years to come to pick it up because it's a generational sign that God has 
covenanted with his people. And then there's a daily rhythm that God sets up as well. And that's why we read that passage from Psalm 19 as our call to worship, day to day, night to night. There's a daily rhythm that God has. But of course, today, and in particular here in Exodus, we are talking about this basic beat that God introduces into life in the weekly Sabbath. It is a Beethoven's fifth-like pause at the end of the week. Now, I have to have a disclaimer here. Uh, no musicians were consulted in the forming of this sermon today that none of them might be harmed by my misstating or misquoting anything that they may have said. So all of the musical errors that I'm about to make are on me uh, and not on any of our musicians. I didn't want them held responsible for it. Beethoven's fifth-like pause. Dun, 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 dun. Now, that's three and one, right? Uh, you have to add one more, so it's got to go dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. I know I just committed heresy. That said, it's the idea of holding that last beat. And as you hold that last beat, there is a sense of rest that is there. You're waiting for that particular time. And yet as much as you rest and have expected that last beat to come, whether because we've heard it a million times or it's gone over a million times within the symphony itself, you want more. When it comes, it creates expectancy. You wait for it, and then you want more to come after you've heard it, musically speaking. You want it to linger, and you yearn for more. Israel's life is now reshuffled around this beat. You've got six soft beats, and then one strong beat that follows on the Sabbath day. It is a beat that takes them back to creation and puts them in step with God. It is a beat that likewise reflects their own recreation. We've talked about the Exodus as a new birth. Egypt giving birth, the people of God coming out through the waters, and this is a new creation for them. And thus, while in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20 that we just acknowledged together, has the explanation of the Ten Commandments as a reference back to creation, for the Lord your God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. If you flip to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and look at the Ten Commandments there, as you probably are aware, the justification that is provided for the Ten Commandments there is because you were slaves, not the creation, but because you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord has delivered you. The Lord has brought you out of that. Creation and recreation for the people of God are the reason why we, they, celebrate this Sabbath rest that God has given to them. It is a beat, the Sabbath is a beat that while satisfying leaves you hungry for more rest, for a greater rest that is to come. So the command to remember the Sabbath is a command to Remember the beat. Keep the rhythm. And the beat is a treat. Kids, every once in a while, there are a group of people who think a lot about education and the best way to approach education. And as they compare America to the rest of the world, they often find that American children are lagging behind 
other children. And one of the solutions that is regularly proposed, yet not in, enacted, is the elimination of summer vacation. So the idea is put out there that if we could just get rid of this break, that kids would not, in fact, forget as much over the course of that time, and we could have more learning going on for them. It would be better for the kids. It would be better for our country because our children would be brighter and they would be more ready to compete in this world. How do you feel about the idea of taking away your summer vacation? That's, 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 not a good, that's not a good feeling. Don't, don't hear me wrong. I, uh, I love education and I love work. But as a kid, one of the greatest sounds that I could hear on my clock radio when it went off to take me to school was Baltimore County schools have been canceled due to snow. I mean, that's, there's nothing better in my life as a kid than that moment of hearing that. Any other day, I wanted to sleep later, and as soon as I heard that, I could not sleep. I was up, I was wide awake, I was planning what are we going to do with the friends. I was downstairs in the basement early, sanding off with emery cloth my sled and the runners of my sled and getting it ready for the day to come. God has a treat for us with the new beat. Kids, if you want to think of it this way, God built a snow day into every week. That's what he did. Every week I'm giving you one snow day. Generation after generation of Israelites had lived as slaves in Egypt. And you know what slaves do? They work. They work at the behest of their masters. And you know what slaves do on holidays? They work so that their masters can rest and enjoy life. But God took this people out of their bondage, out of their slavery, and he introduces what one writer calls the greatest worker protection act in history. What a relief. Take a day off. You take it off, you who were slaves, and you take it off for all of the servants that are in your midst as well, including the animals. Take the day off and enjoy the break. And what a lovely, wonderful set of words are used both within Exodus and then within Scripture as a whole to describe this gift. Of course, the, the ones that come to mind first are uh, rest, remember, or if we borrowed from Isaiah, call the Sabbath a delight. And my favorite one is the one that is found, it's both found in the, in, in the Exodus 23, 12, and then in the Exodus 31 passage that I read for you. Do all this, take all this off, so that the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. What a wonderful word, world to be refreshed. Now, just to give you a little insight on that word, uh, and I won't go too far into this, but that word refreshed means literally to catch your breath. And it is the word for breath which is also, uh, if you know your Bibles well, is the word for soul. 
And what the Sabbath then is, is an opportunity for us as people to have a day to catch our breath and to take care of our soul. You don't have anything else to do. That is what you have to do on this day. What a crime against humanity has been perpetrated by Satan and our own hearts that this day should be considered by us to be a burden. That's an amazing trick of Satan, to take a day of gracious rest and to turn it into a burden. It's a treat. Now, a clarification is needed, and we have to say this. Snow days, you kind of did whatever you wanted to do on a snow day. The Sabbath is not a free-for-all, nor was it intended to be a do-whatever-you-want-to-do-on-this-day type of thing. Clearly, it has a positive aspect. It is a day to remember. It is a day to reflect. It is a day that we are, as the people of God, to gather together to rest in the Lord, to rest from our work so that we can rest unto the Lord. It is a special day for a special people, a covenant people, to remember, to celebrate, to appreciate. It is a day for us, it is a day for you to cease from your work and make a simple statement that you are not running the world, and it won't fall apart when you stop working. It is a day when we observe this day, when we say, it is not the work of my hands that has taken me to this place. For Israel, it was a day in which they were to say to one another, it's not the work of our hands that got us out of Egypt. God did that. God is the one who has given us these things. God is the one who has brought us to this place. And most significantly for them and for us, God is the one who has redeemed us. God is the one who has saved us. His work, not my work. God is the one who makes us holy. This day is a sign of his covenant. This day is a day to do good. In other words, what this day is for is worship. God sets apart one day a week to be a downbeat treat. Worship me with my people on this day, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the promise. That's what is offered to us in this day. Rest for our souls. I've got to read you a passage. I, I read from uh, this particular Puritan a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about preparation for worship. George Swinock is his name as a pastor. And let me, let me read this section where he's going to describe the Sabbath for us. And he's going to use the Magnificat. He's going to use Mary's song and kind of apply it then to the Sabbath. Hail thou that art highly favored of God, thou golden spot of the week, thou marker day of souls, thou daybreak of eternal brightness, thou queen of days, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among days. Oh, how do men and women flutter up and down on the weekdays as the dove 
on the waters and can find no rest for their souls till they come to thee, that is the Sabbath, their ark, till thou put forth thy hand and take them in. Oh, how they sit under the sh thy shadow with great delight and find thy faith sweet to their taste. Oh, the mountings of mind, the ravishing happiness of heart, the solace of soul, which on thee they enjoy in the blessed Savior. The day of days, the golden day that has been given to the people, why then do we have fidgety feet on the Sabbath? I got the word fidgety this week from a particular commentary that I was reading on this command, and the, the, the author described the Sabbath fidgets coming from Amos, of course, a prophet later in Israel's history. But listen to this section, don't turn to it, from Amos chapter 8. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances. When can we get this Sabbath done with so that we can get back to work, and in particular the work that is described there is a cheating kind of work, a taking advantage of others. We get fidgety feet or restless leg syndrome on the Sabbath. We want to get back to other things. We want to get back to soccer, or to football, or to hockey, or to golf. We want to get a little bit more studying in, or perhaps write a few emails that will help the week to go more smoothly for us. In other words, we often find ourselves wanting to do what we want to do on this particular day, or to say it with a bit of irony, we get restless on the Sabbath. Hear then this, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus worked, Jesus died to purchase for you Sabbath rest. Jesus bought and secured this day for you. Now our church has a morning and evening worship service. Why do we do that? Well, we don't do it because we're just looking for ways to test your patience. We don't do it because we're trying to make it a burden. We don't do it to make you feel guilty. And it is not a commitment test. We do it to help us rest in the Lord. We do it to help us rejoice together in what God has done for us and then in giving this day to us. It helps us to keep the beat, to call it a treat, to quiet fidgety feet, by laying across this day a banner, and the banner reads like this, 
be still and know that I'm God. That's what we're here to do. It's a time to be still. It's a day to be still and to know that he is the Lord. Jesus rose from the dead. His work was completed. He rose on the first day. A syncopation in the rhythm of time. Jesus in his life kept the beat, right? We often find him in the temple or in the synagogues on the Sabbath. His death is at the Passover, and that seems to us to be in sync with what we would have expected. He dies and he rests on the Sabbath day. And the women who were preparing to anoint him, they rested on the Sabbath day as well. And so far, everything seems to be in sync with current expectations, with a Sabbath day on the last day of the week. His resurrection on the first day is a syncopation, a shifting of the accent, of the downbeat, of the strong beat. It's a wake-up call to us. Do you know the song Blue Rondo a la Turk? Anybody know that by Dave Brubeck? Great syncopation going on in that song, changing times, shifting right in the middle of the song back and forth several times. We go from Beethoven's fifth to almost more of a Beethoven's ninth. Bum, 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 bum. You hear the difference? Or maybe that's just me, the way I'm doing it. I could have it wrong. But it seems to me the accent changes. The strong beat changes to the beginning and from which we then work, in which we then rest. A new day has started. And the syncopation calls for the world to kind of catch up and go, wait a minute, musically speaking, I just heard something else. What's going on? Why is there a new beat introduced into the world? It's because the Lord of the Sabbath has come. He's risen on the first day, and he's brought all of his people into the eternal Sabbath rest, and he's broke it into this world. Now, I know. I know that people debate, what do you do with this command? Is this part of the ceremonial law that Israel was to observe and we're not supposed to observe it? What do we do with all these passages in the New Testament and the modifications that clearly go on with the Sabbath? How do we handle all of that? Let me suggest something to you. The Sabbath in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, was a gift. It was a gift from God to man. It is a day of grace given to man, a day of refreshment for their souls. In the new covenant, nothing gets worse. Everything gets better. Why would God in the new covenant take a gift away from you? Why would he say, no, 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 no. Let's forget about that whole Sabbath thing that I said. God has not taken away the Sabbath for you any more than it was a burden back then. He's changed the day of the Sabbath to mark the new creation, the new covenant. And to mark that now you've got a day that commemorates the fact that you've entered into something that will continue on the rest of your days with a soft beat, 
And then finally, when we get to heaven with a strong beat on every day, the eternal Sabbath rest that we will enjoy together. God didn't take your Sabbath away. He made it better. So brothers and sisters, let us get in step with our king. If God has a rhythm, and if God built that rhythm into this world, then when you're dancing with God, let him lead. May we still our fidgety feet, call the Sabbath a treat, and rest and be refreshed in the new first day beat. Let's pray together.